Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 32nd episode, I had a great chat with Nick Satinover, an artist from Dayton, Ohio, who's doing a residency coming up. His work deals a lot with landscaping, different materials, printed materials, and found materials. It's all very interesting, so please check that out. But I just want to extend another invitation to all MFA and BFA students who recently graduated. You've got a, a solid portfolio of work that you want to show off. I invite you to apply to the 2012 competition. Once again, three students from each category will be chosen and we'll have a feature interview on Studio Break along with your artwork. And once again, you'll be included in an upcoming publication, so please apply to that. You can find out more information by visiting Studio Break on Facebook. Under the events calendar, you'll, you'll see the information there, and then also it's posted at the top of the feed. And once again, you can always contact me at davidlinaway at hotmail.com. I'd also like to note that the deadline is May 31st, so please get those applications in. It's very straightforward. Again, if you have any questions, feel free. And just another reminder, if you're having any issues listening to the podcast in the default player, you can always right-click and save the MP3 file that way and drag it to any portable device. Or you could go to the iTunes store, just search for Studio Break under Podcasts and subscribe there. Always a convenient way to listen. All right, we've got Nick Satin over. Here we go. Welcome to Studio Break. I am here with Nick Satin over. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm a little foggy, as I was saying, but I've got a, a nice, nice big thermos full of coffee, so I think that'll all sort itself out. Um, and again, you're you're uh, coming to us from uh, Dayton, if I'm not mistaken, right? That is correct, Dayton, Ohio, the Gem City. Excellent. And and we were talking a little bit before uh, we were getting started that you're from Dayton, and um, you know I, I always kind of like to get a little bit of a background and you know uh, childhood experiences, and I don't know any any other kind of interesting tales that maybe you think uh, shaped who you are as a gosh a young artist, I guess, or a emerging artist, or whatever you want to talk about it like that. So could you talk a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. Um, well, I grew up in Dayton, but uh, my family moved around quite a bit. Um, we're all originally from the West Coast, but uh, ended up moving to Dayton when I was you know, about seven and um, grew up here. I went to uh, school at Wright State University, which is just outside of Dayton. Um, I got my BFA in printmaking, studio art there. And then um, right away went over to Illinois State Normal, or I believe you went. Yes, yes. Or other, uh, to do my master's. And then, uh, you know, sort of moved around a little bit and ended up back here in Dayton to, uh, to do some teaching at a, a different school, the University of Dayton. But um, uh, sort of grew up um, on the, the edge of downtown, sort of into the suburbs. And also... Um, I always think back on this, it, it was sort of a, a strange neighborhood in that it was very wooded, but right off of the main intersection, so um, I can remember sort of the, the experience of growing up was being isolated, but also being keenly aware of the sort of traffic and movement around us, uh, but it was sort of this uh, sort of simultaneous enclosure and um, exposure to to the, the city life beyond our little neighborhood. Um and so, I, I don't know, I guess that's maybe the most profound way to start thinking about uh, growing up here, but uh, 
Dayton is a sort of an industrial town that is, I think, on the the verge of of a comeback. And um, throughout my childhood, just watched things steadily leave and um, just lose local businesses. The sort of big chain that was here that uh, that um, brought my family here was Elder Beerman, which is a parking store which eventually got sold and is now completely different. Um, so sort of the backdrop of my childhood, and I think my, my interest in, in place so much is the, is the uh, sort of the scars of all that, that industry and that transition are, are, are visible here. And it's, it's really sort of shaped how I think about space and place and who I am and um, really inform my sort of Midwestern identity, I guess, um, which is interesting because, like I said, my family is originally from the West Coast, so... Um, you know, my brothers and I were the first ones to really adopt that, which is, which is interesting. Yeah, I would, I would think that there would be different potentials in terms of the way that your parents might view something or, you know, in, in terms of, I don't know, I mean, even just being a lot more open, you know, I think one of the things that I've experienced just leaving and especially going, and again, I'm talking more about the, the Western, Midwestern region is just how open things are, you know? Um, yeah, we're, we're like on the, the east coast of the Midwest, is, I kind of, <laughs> let's call it that, but, um, you know, like the origin of calling it the Middle West started with Ohio because it wasn't New England anymore, it was, you know, middle and west in the country, that was the direction name, so actually it's like we're in the old Midwest, and it's kind of funny to think about that. Um, sure, sure. People here really feel like it's Midwest, but my experience when I moved to Illinois was that people, is Ohio still in the Midwest, or is that... You know, what else would it be? I, I have no idea. Right, right. Well, and it's it's just it just comes kind of back to the way that people kind of perceive, you know, all everything about the world around them. Certainly, but you know, I think geography plays a, a big role in that. Um, and I mean, I, I guess too, just to kind of ask in, in terms of following up, um, did you particularly kind of gravitate towards uh, any kind of real experience of landscape? And I guess when I say real, I mean. Um, I don't know, were you a, a camper or um, someone that kind of liked to do outdoorsy type things? Or were you kind of more, um, I don't know, detached? Or what was that experience like? Um, well, when I was when I was really young, you know, I told you I, I grew up in this neighborhood where, um, you know, the houses um, were set on big plots of land. And it was an old, old growth neighborhood, so there's lots of trees. Like, I grew up on almost two acres of land and half of that was wooded um so you know like being a bit isolated in that um, most of the people who lived in that neighborhood were elderly or you know too old to have children my age so i did spend a lot of time when i was really young just roaming around the woods and building forts and things and digging stuff out of the ground which is um you know a whole lot of fun um but i think the, the specific geography of, of Dayton is one that is so so suburban and sprawled that um, really how I've come to understand um, moving through space is really informed by the idea of having to drive everywhere. And so much of my teenage years and um, the time when I could go out and explore my own was done from a car. And that was really like the only the only thing you could do would be to go drive somewhere and then like skateboard and then drive somewhere else and skateboard. <laughs> Like the whole the whole way I've I've come to understand and sort of relate things spatially is this um, 
the sprawl. Like, there's tons of mileage in between things, but you sort of think about it as one big space. And it's, um, you know, anytime I travel anywhere else, I, I always am comparing it to the sort of distances that have formed how I, you know, how I think about other spaces. So I'm always constantly coming back and comparing it to this idea of having to drive. Like, I'm always totally floored when I can be somewhere and do a few different things in the day, you know, like um, get a cup of coffee, you know, go to a cafe or eat, you know, buy some groceries, look at a store and not have to drive to all of those separately. Like, that's very different from um, the way I, I have sort of come to relate space and I guess in the most comfortable way because it's the way I did it before I realized there were other places. Sure. And, uh, and I guess, you know, it's interesting too, just because, um, I don't know, I almost think about it as something that's like a, a almost like a inherent, like heritage of, I guess, being an American specifically, just cause, you know, again, I, I've known some, some, um, friends from, you know, areas like the UK where countries are a bit smaller. Um, and the idea of driving, you know, you know, 10 hours or 16 hours or something like that is kind of like a, you know, something that doesn't happen. So, um, it's interesting, you know, cause, cause you, I don't know, it just makes you think about those kind of ideas of, uh, I guess maybe westward expansion and, um, you know, whatever any of that means, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm derailing here. <laughs> um, but, um, what was it, what was it like in terms of then your maybe earlier experiences with art? Did you come to it in, in high school, did you come to it earlier, or um, I don't know what what made you, I guess, kind of gravitate towards uh, maybe potentially studying it as something that you could do for a living or something that you would maybe even want to do as a living? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's sort of interweaved, I guess. Um, my my dad actually holds a BFA and an MFA in painting, um, but he ended up, um, you know, and he he got dumped out of school in the in the seventies. So he ended up not being able to get into the sort of academic track and, um, you know, to support family ended up working in a retail job and, you know, and within a few years was at the executive level of some of the big department stores out in LA. And so, um, sort of always in the background and on the walls of our house growing up was, was his work. I mean, we never ever had any other, paintings besides his in our house and I mean they're he's a fantastic artist and um, truly talented and in ways that I just don't think people really um, get trained anymore you know as a figurative artist a sort of technical skill and you know being a student of art history I mean he's outstanding so that was sort of in the background and you know I always had had him to sort of look at as someone who made paintings every Saturday and Sunday early part of the day. Um, but in high school, uh, you know, I had some really excellent art teachers. As most people tend to, I've found with students that if they end up in an art program, at least in this city, it's because they've had probably those same great art teachers I had. Um, but I actually initially went to college on a technology scholarship that I, I got for taking a block class where I learned how to you know, program computers and install hardware and build websites and um, I was able to apply that scholarship towards graphic design, and within two years of doing that, really realized that uh, um, I was at a community college, and I just thought, this isn't really what I enjoy doing, nor do I think I'm really going to 
finish his two-year degree in any time soon. So I transferred over to Wright State, and um, my second quarter there ended up taking a drawing class with um, John Swindler, who ended up being sort of my mentor when I was there. Uh, he's a Southern Illinois guy, I think, that has some relationship. Yeah, yep. And, uh, you know, that was really the game changer. When I, when I was at Wright State, um, you know, I transferred into art because they didn't have the design degree. And the BFA track, this is going to sound so terrible, the BFA track, um, if I chose that as opposed to the BA, re- did not have a foreign language requirement. So I thought, well, that that's definitely more my speed. Because <laughs> they, you know, whatever, two more studio classes and not have to learn French all over again, which would have been difficult. Um, and so it really took until, like, the end of that first year, so my third year of college, before I really got hooked. And it was... You know, largely to do with John's um, sort of enthusiasm and um, just guidance. And then I, I met a really great group of fellow students that were there, and they were just, you know, dogmatic about working and about making prints and making drawings. And um, that really, really got me focused. And I sort of realized, well, you know, I wasn't even thinking of a career at that point, but just thinking, well, if I'm going to spend money to go to class and I just really enjoy it and you can honestly say like after after three years of school um but you know when I found out that was what I wanted to do like beyond you know that and grad school were just bliss they were they were so much fun and I you know got a lot out of it but it took sort of floundering around for a while it, it's interesting because it kind of makes me you know curious about another aspect of it you know you talked a little bit about um you know, the kind of work that your, that your father makes. Um, and I don't know, just knowing maybe a little bit about some people that I have met from Wright State University, it seems like there's a, is there, was there kind of like a push in terms of working from representation or kind of working from like a very technical kind of approach to, to making artwork? Or was there any kind of specific way that, I don't know, people kind of, I guess, gravitated towards working or, or was it pretty diverse? Um, well, I, I, I feel like I'm going to maybe say this and it's going to sound negative, but um, it seems um, it seemed very much when I was a student, and I have since done a bit of, or I taught one class there this winter, um, it seems really skill-based, you know, and very structured, uh, especially in painting. And it is all um, observational painting and a very specific type, which... I, I only in my final year of grad school really understood how good that training was. Like it really clicked when I and I you know was going back and taking color theory because I, I never took it as an undergrad. And I was thinking, wow, I actually learned a lot about um, contextual color through painting at Wright State, and I never would have you know sort of come to that conclusion unless I had taken another you know either done a lot more exploring later or taken that class in graduate school. But, right, um, right. It is, it is really um, based on observation and um, sort of a, a technical ability to put together representational images. Um, that being said, I think why, why the sort of band of misfits I fell into really was flourishing was because uh, I don't think John, when he was teaching there, had that same um, sort of uh, pedagogy. I think he, and I remember being pushed into exploring my own ideas and you know, not not just traditional representational drawing. So um, beyond just being floored by the process, um, those were classes in the print shop where you know 
people were really doing things that looked dramatically different from the, the painting department. And that was really exciting. Um, and I even think, you know, my father's work, the relationship I have to that now, is, it keeps, you know, like bells keep going off and keep making connections to that because his work also deals a lot with landscape and this idea of sort of being in time and space and um, as, as well as figuring. It's kind of interesting to keep keep coming back to all these connections and this, they're becoming more clear as I get older. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I, I mean, especially, uh, I think anybody should feel free to uh, ask a lot of questions about the relationship of having a, a parent who's an artist. And I don't know, I know that a number of people that I've talked with have. Um, I just can't ha- don't have any way to, uh, you know, share in that idea, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, so you were talking a little bit about, you know, the kinds of, I guess, the kind of areas that you're interested in. But I mean, what... So what, why, what work were you, did you want it making to it when you kind of fully came around and said, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to focus on this? Yeah. Um, well, I was always, as an undergrad, I was really first interested in this sort of idea of collecting and objects. So I kept making images of, of things that I, I collected and sort of placing them in this sort of invented space. And, um, you know, I was really sort of pushed to think about you know, what, what's visually compelling about those forms and um, those objects. And, um, and I think I got a little bit away from what initially was the attraction to those objects and that they're you know, like this thing that has value even though it's, you know, not really a, a valuable item. It has um, some other some other value because it's collected. So the, the work, you know, initially was sort of sprung out of the things I collected and just sort of visually representing them in some sort of abstract space. And I sort of moved on to um, thinking about um, the objects that are, are sort of manufactured in the area and trying to make a connection to, you know, the place I grew up and the place I call home. And so, you know, I was deriving a lot of those those forms from parts that are produced within the, the factories around, around southwest Ohio. So a lot of, like, aviation parts, a lot of um, kitchen equipment, car parts, of course, um, and then, you know, that sort of continued all the way up until I got into graduate school where I, I really sort of kept peeling back the, the layers on this, like sort of using, um, these things as a way to really relate to my hometown and, um, you know, the, the work in graduate school ended up becoming more narrative and, um, a little bit more about the experience of that place. Cause ultimately I, I was just talking about that when I sort of explained what I was trying to do, I, you know, I was trying to call attention to or relate or create an experience where um, I made some sort of, you know, empathetic statement about um, where I grew up or this place because it's, it's really specific and, um, you know, I think it it warrants, you know, a conversation about because, you know, I have a lot of concern and a lot of reverie for it simultaneously and trying to deal with those two things is, is often strange and challenging. Um, but I, and I also think that's a really common experience for people when they talk about where they grew up, unless they grew up in some sort of fantastic city, which I'm not aware of. Well, and, and again, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, obviously I have, growing up in Illinois, certain interests and certain experiences that might be more similar. But, you know, it's certainly one of those things where I always wind up coming back on, on wondering other pe- what other people's experiences were like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because I, I grew up in Roselle and 
you know, it's next to a, another another town and next to another town, and it's you know all part of that sprawl. So it makes it does make you wonder, like, you know, what it would be like growing up um, on the side of a mountain or something, you know? Um, yeah. But um, so in terms of like your 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 work that you would I guess apply to graduate school, um, is there any more more specifics in terms of of that? Um, you know, and obviously one of the things that you know, looking over over the work that you have on your website is, you know, in your, involved in your current work is is text, and I'm I'm wondering if, and or when, you know, those kinds of things kind of came up, or, um, you know, when all of these kind of different ways of looking at things kind of started piecing together, because you certainly see, you know, also plenty of um, interiors and and landscapes, and um, you know, some some of these pieces start to really incorporate the, this text that's building up. Um, but um, yeah, could you talk a little bit about those? I guess those things, or, or where you were at, you know, when you were exiting your undergraduate degree. Sure. Yeah, and um, like I said, the, I was sort of looking at these forms, and I was still thinking about objects. And um, towards the end of that experience at Wright State, I was also really thinking about the, the space in which they occupied, and so I was thinking about, I guess, an environment or a landscape, sort of in an invented abstract sense. I wasn't observing it and then, and, you know, recapitulating it on paper or on a stone and printing it. But, um, the, the way text came in, um, I don't know, there was always this attraction to, to, to writing. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm really honest about it, I think I probably could have been equally satisfied having gone into sort of a literary academic path or, spending my studio hours writing as opposed to making pictures. So it, 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 that, that sort of gets us to where we're at currently. But um, I was spending an equal amount of time making those those pictures of sort of um, forms and objects in a space, but I was really trying to give them a specificity by naming them very, very uh, particularly and trying to use references of, of, you know, like people and places around this area. And so there is that bit of disconnect where, like, the title was one thing really specific, and the image was kind of this more ambiguous thing. And um, when I got into grad school, and you know, this is sort of pointed out to me that you know, like, there's still this sort of gap that you're trying to jump, um, that the text became more important and more important. And I think just because, um, just like a, in the manner that you sort of have a, a style or a a fingerprint in the way you use material, you know, there's a syntax and a, and a way the words are constructed that, you know, I, I think really can shape a lot of the subjectivity and the, the meaning of it. And, um, you know, there's a speed to text that I think contrasts an image really nicely. Um, and there's sort of a, a, an activity of reading and, and constructing the meaning that's different than an image as well. So all these things started um, entering my mind in, in graduate school. And it's been this slow process of, of um, sort of allowing the text to sit a little more up front and a little more up front. And um, it really took until after graduate school to, to say, well, I'm going to just try and make some work that, that focuses on this and see if that reference is still there. Because the idea of space and place is, is still really driving my, my work in that in that text because I, I create all of the, the the text and the sort of narratives in the work um, 
and I, and I still think of it in the same way as trying to create some sort of idea of experience by looking at it or redrawing a, a like an interior or landscape or imagining one and drawing it. So um, I don't know, I feel like I've no, no, I think that makes sense. All these things together, but uh, yeah, that transition has been you know like six years of, of work to get there, and I'm and I feel like I still have an attachment to um, trying to use material to make an image of place, but also that the, the mental activity of, of reading what someone's written about a place and seeing the way it's constructed using, you know, like a very specific specific set of geometry and those types of relationships does does something similarly. But I, I sort of am really responding to that mental activity now. And it's also really a, a really um, um, nice way to work because I, I'm really just thinking about the the way the words function back and forth a lot more. And it used to be like, all right, I've got the opening line of the poem and nothing else, so that would be the title of the piece now. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the relationship is, is still there. It's still um, evolving as well. Sure. Well, and, and it kind of leads me to, you know, a couple, bunch of other questions for sure, but... You know, one of the other things that I would say, or at least, you know, just from observing some of some of the other, well, I guess I would dare say more representational pieces, the ones that are kind of, I don't know, just slightly older than, or, yeah. you know, than, than these, you know, pure text pieces. You know, one of the things that, that seems to happen in, 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 you know, even if it's an interior space or, you know, one that looks like it's kind of combining, you know, things that you might see along the side of a highway or you know, other kinds of construction is, um, you know, an instability of the image or, you know, referencing, like you were saying, geometry or, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's a very uh, concentrated um, approach in terms of, I guess, allowing the materials to, you know, just come together enough. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it seems, it seems like you're very conscious of that. Could you, could you talk, I guess, a little bit about just... Um, I don't know the the way that the way that those things are configured because there's a really interesting blend between the the aspects that become really more representational or even kind of a more hidden representational scene versus um, you know something that is much more lost in inside the the kind of mark making and you know maybe some of the fields that you've kind of created and again maybe that I, I might have gotten a little bit of head in <laughs> in terms of some of the more recent text pieces but I just I think I brought that up just because, like you were saying, there's a, a number of them that you kind of get a little bit of that kind of peeking in there. So, Yeah, well, I think um, you start, I, I made a decision pretty early on in, in working with representational images in that um, I wanted to be that I wanted that, that sort of thought process to be evident in, in the way it's put together. That, you know, geometry and symmetry is going to play an important role because I think Sort of as a metaphor, it, it it talks about sort of quiet and it talks about um, strength, but then that's usually contrasted by the fact that the, the viewpoints sort of shift away and fall apart, and there's that instability. And you know, I think the idea of that too, um, the image is is clearly sort of not invented, but constructed in a way that shows that it's reinterpreted rather than um, strictly observed shows that there's some subjectivity to it. Um, so I, you know, and I, and I really like that idea of instability or that, that contrast between um, coming together and falling apart. 
and I've and I've all and I've tried to relate that, or at least in my mind, tried to relate that sort of um, the way that you can read that image simultaneously as two different things. Sort of this idea of being ambivalent, um, and you know that really has also shaped how I construct um, text and trying to get at meaning of of sentences or of those images is that they um, sort of they reveal the construction process and they also sort of allow multiple interpretations that can sometimes be you know, like positive or negative or um, internal, external, um, you know, melancholy and, and reverie simultaneously. And I've been interested in a long time because that relates to you know, the sort of first revelation I had was that this is an interesting graduate first revelation I had in graduate school was that this this idea of um, being ambivalent about where I'm from is really why it's interesting because you know any other you know shell of an industrial town is kind of similar I mean it's, it's like a little bit grimy there's still people sticking it out because they love it um, you know and then it gets used politically but um, if you're from here you both you both sort of love and hate it and you feel bad for it, but you also exalt it because it's where you're from, and trying to incorporate that idea of um, ambivalence or this sort of duality into, my, into the drawing process was sort of the, the first step I got at, and making this making this work like have the qualities of the experience that you know, I'm trying to portray, that it's both, um, as you said, sort of unstable, or not, not stable, but also sort of constructed. And, you know, that's sort of at the root of, I guess, everything that's going on visually with what I'm doing uh, back then and now. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, I guess, too, are, are the, you know, it seems like there's a lot of uh, incorporation of both um, kind of drawing materials and then printed materials. Is that is that the case, or um, yeah, does it really uh, depend uh, on the piece? Or? Yeah, my, my recent, um, I'm calling them the reclaimed verses, those are... Um, actual prints or printed material that has just sort of accumulated and you know and I think this is sort of developed in my mind that because I've been teaching printmaking recently um, for the first time since graduate school and that I kind of um, I still want to be a champion of the medium and I want to talk about you know the sort of specifics of, of the medium within my work somehow and so you know the paintings on prints sort of engage with um, or, or try to engage with this idea of, you know, like the flatness of prints and then, you know, the paint is applied in a way that's flat and I like that contrast of material where you really see ink sitting in paper and then paint or acrylic sitting on top of that paper. Um, you know, just sort of playing with the inherent qualities of what those things can do. Um, and then, yeah, in older work, the, the and some of the work I ended up with uh, after my residency at the Franz Masriel Center um, sort of allowed the, the image to be completed by drawing on it. And, I, and again, I think it's creating that tension between you know the repeatable print matrix that's evident and then the hand-drawn image or, or like sort of, even some of us have a box with the title written on it, but um, I like sort of breaking the, 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 the rigidness of having a strictly printed image with just a, enough hand-drawn elements that it, I really can't say that that's just a print anymore. You know, the, the way the title is put on there, you know, sometimes with like a grease pencil, 
is sort of integral to completing the image, and I like that that tension between you know the additional image and then this. What I, you know, I always think of anytime I'm writing, I, I have to be really conscious of it because my handwriting is so terrible. Like I'm really drawing anytime I'm putting something onto an image, like even if it's just text or a title. Right. Right. Well, and so too, are, are, we're, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm imagining that a lot of, um, you know, what you're pulling on, or at least in terms of sourcing the, the kinds of things that you're, you're drawing from, um, you know, um, are they really specific moments for you in some of them? Um, I'm just kind of curious what maybe different approaches you could incorporate because it seems like, and I believe you were talking a little bit before about memory, um, but then some of them kind of seem really solid in terms of the things that they might reference. Um, so is there kind of variation or, or play between, you know, even say borrowing text from something else as opposed to um, just kind of producing it all yourself? Um, is there kind of like a, a, a way that you mix all these things together or is it very like set up like in terms of that, that kind of approach in terms of where you're sourcing these different things from? Well, the thing, uh, there's sort of, probably like most people, there's sort of a, a scale or a sort of a, um, I don't know, a variety of ways in which this stuff happens. Um, sorry, my computer screen went off for a second. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of, a lot of the text that, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, um, determined now more than ever to keep a, sort of like a little notebook with me, so I, I can sort of keep track of these things. I try and be conscious of writing down observations when I have them. And then those go through a process of sort of construction back into sort of a more poetic or, um, you know, like the syntax gets changed until they seem like they're, they're more interesting or that they're doing something more sort of back and forth. Um, but there's a lot of just sort of, you know, you're, you're struck with the impression of something like the, the one that really comes to mind often for me is this, uh, and I see it all over, but it's it's like on the side of the road, someone's trying to sell four tires, and there's just like a for sale sign stuck in, you know, a set of used tires. <laughs> um, you know, like that that image or this, you know, for sale or up for sale, you know, I see everywhere where I live. I mean, half, not half, you know, a quarter of my neighborhood is is up for sale here in East Aiden. And, um, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm pretty aware that that sort of fil filters into um, the text I use and um, the sort of meaning I try and create or sort of the, the experience, but also the, the idea of memory. Um, sort of as I was describing to you earlier, any, anytime I go anywhere, I, I'm always sort of mentally comparing space. Like, I'm always thinking about the distances between places based on um, my experience of living somewhere where I need to drive, you know, six miles to get to the grocery store. Um, and, and so I've tried to think about it in a way that um, your your way of processing your current experience or the sort of sensory information you're getting is really influenced by all of that built-up previous experience. And so there's something there that makes any way you experience something sort of unique to you. Um, and I'm by no means sort of an expert on this or memory or anything like that, but, you know, I find it interesting that um, someone can arrive at the sort of identity of some of my work, I've been told this by a lot of people, it seems really Midwestern. Um, 
and I, I think it's really, you know, especially people who grew up in the Midwest sort of have this fondness for that type of imagery because it's sort of, of their experience, and then um, people in other places will respond to it for a completely different reason. Um, so I think the idea of memory for me is sort of, um, I'm interested in how that shapes the sort of new experience and how that shapes the meaning of things and clearly your relationship to something will impact how you um, like or dislike something and sort of, maybe I'm not sure if that got to the root of everything. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, it makes me wonder too though, um, then in terms of uh, working from that, I mean, are, are you someone that takes photographs or are you someone that then just does kind of does a lot of note-taking and, and it's, getting it's your sketchbook? It's note-taking. And, like, I, I've never, I feel bad about this, and I always sort of, sort of get a little sheepish when I say it, but I've never been much of a, a sketcher or someone who keeps a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I think about it, you know, I have for a long time kept sort of files on my computer or notebooks of just sort of like, you know, a couple words or an impression of a place like, um, and I, and I try and sort of mine that material. So I guess the process of developing it into something is going from that sort of initial impression, that first glimpse, I guess, like a snapshot of the phrase that sort of triggers it and then sort of developing it. So it is in a way sort of like working from a, a photograph in a way in that it's sort of limited to that, that phrase and that second plus the memory of it, um, but without the visual reference. Um, so, you know, the whole thing sort of transitions quite a bit. Sure, sure. Well, and I guess, you know, this kind of maybe could could be a good time to kind of move more into the, especially the, the kind of Reclaim series and, mm-hmm. you know, specifically how those things are coming about. So I guess my first question is in terms of then you're, you're using... Um, is it your old artwork or other people's artwork or stuff that you come across or how, where does that come from? Uh, it is, uh, it's both mine and it's the work that I got from the students, you know, um, being, a teaching during grad school, I just accumulated like tons of, um, and it's really specifically black and white lithographs on paper that, you know, are really salty or filled in or what have you because they're, you know, people, People are in the process of learning, but um, like I said earlier, like the the attraction is that it has a really specific sort of fingerprint as a material and the way the image works. But I also think that it was an attempt to to make something that it didn't quite turn into. You know, it's supposed to be a finished piece, and you know, and I can be just as brutal with my work and cannibalize it and say like a lot of the stuff I'm reclaiming for myself is it's not something I'd ever want sort of out there in the world um, as a finished artwork because I just I think it it was part of the process not you know really the result that was good to, you know, about it um, so the, sort of the the um, it came out of a sort of a necessity to um, you know have material to work with and then also um, this sort of fear of the blank page I think it's it's easier to respond to something visually when you have something already there. And so even if it's just like, okay, I know I have this like really, you know, filled in, over-rolled, over-inked um, lithograph, I need to just white it out. I mean, at least there's something there to uh, begin with. 
And, uh, you know, I see it all the time with my students. They're like, that first step is the hardest. So I guess it's in a way sort of allowed me to get around that personally. Because I, I still struggle with that too, that first initial step. But, you know, I, I think visually too, there's this interesting play and depth of space that happens because the thing sits in the page much differently than acrylic sits on top of the page. And, um, you know, I think that's still, there's some spatial play there that I, I really respond to in, in a formal sense. Well, and I guess one of the things, well, too, before, before I get to maybe more of just uh, the pure content of it, too, um, so the, the materials in this, in terms of then um, what you might kind of, you know, come up with in terms of, of, of reusing something, then what are, is it mostly mixed media and printmaking, or how, do, how what's, the, what's the actual process, I guess, like a little bit? Just to, just to let us into your studio world. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I just have piles and piles and piles of stuff. I mean, anyone who's, who's <laughs> pulled prints for a few years, uh, not that I, I mean, I, I still struggle with my, my identity as a printmaker solely, but um, I, I mean, I just have like a glut of paper sitting around. Um, but the process usually is to find something um, to, you know, like I said, respond to. And I usually have in, in mind, you know, like, at any point in time, I have, like, five of these things going, and I have the, the text I want to work with, and um, on the paintings, on, on those prints, like, it's really just a, a process of building it from the ground up, so, like, I'll, I'll try to leave as much of the original image in there as possible, but, you know, usually by the end, it's pretty obscure, um, so it's just a, it's like a... Just like a printmaking process, it starts with sort of the largest base layer of a color, and then you know that gets laid down, and then I try and go from you know biggest to smallest piece, so that I'm not constantly like taping over the whole thing just to peel up like a little bit of color. Um, but you know, just using tape and shelf liner, laying it down over the whole surface, cutting out with a knife the you know the tape of the shelf liner, and then squeegeeing acrylic paint through it as a stencil system and then removing it and then putting down the next area. So it's almost, you know, it's sort of an analog to screen printing in a way. Um, and I'm, I'm really conscious of trying to make it seem both um, flat in, in the sense that I, I really think there's an inherent quality to something like screen printing where flatness is a really, really um, great, uh, you know, characteristic of that medium. And, um, as well as trying to still have that identity of, of it being, you know, acrylic painting on top of printed work. Sure, sure. Um, and I guess, is, is there any kind of um, approaches in terms of, you know, things like color or, um, I don't know, is it, where do you get your, your color choices from or your palette from? Yeah, I think, um, I feel like I'm going a little wild color nowadays because um you know that's anyone you might know too um you know like when you're when you're making plates or you know matrices to print from like it's it can be really limiting in terms of how much color you can get in there quickly so you know the ability to you know mix a plethora of different colors of paint and then just immediately put them down it's like really seductive and also really frightening at the same time because i make really really considered color choices in my prints because I have to. Right. And so, and, and I mean, that's not really a conceptual reason, but, um, 
I anymore I'm really trying to think about like the, the relationships of the components to one another. So you know like the sort of the boundaries of one one box that contains one word will try and have some relationship to the next one or a one below, you know, so oftentimes I'm I'm either trying to, you know, work with like um, either a low threshold or a uh, sort of a complementary relationship and get them to sort of move back and forth. And I think also a lot about uh, maybe it's more of the value or the intensity of those colors, but how they sort of push and pull forward in space. And I'm, and sometimes more often, you know, sometimes it should be more, sometimes it should be less. But I like I like the idea that they can sort of be active in the way that they, they shift and move. And it's sort of, you know, I try and think about it in relation to that. I think about the drawing where it, it seems both structured but also um, a little bit unstable and that it'll sort of push and pull and move forward and backwards. Sure, sure. And and I guess, you know, the the thing that, that I was thinking about a couple minutes ago when you're when you're talking a little bit um, about kind of reclaiming these maybe piece some of these pieces that were, you know, not necessarily um, you know, fully, fully, you know, seen in, in potential in, in terms of the resolution. Um, do you do you feel in any way that that maybe kind of also reflects those ideas in terms of, I don't know, the way that you'd like, I guess, for example, Dayton to kind of, I guess, reclaim its uh, um, all of those things that you, I guess, loved about it at a certain point of time, or you know, the, the way that you talked about those things being. Uh, changed or you know reconfigured is is that something that also is supposed to take a you know like any kind of specific I guess point of departure for your work or is that something that you know the viewers invited to kind of um, formulate for themselves or, or could you talk a little bit about that I could be way off too so um, you know I hadn't really um, sort of drawn that direct correlation but you know, I, I think for me the, the fact that it's that it's reclaimed and that it's um, in this process of, of becoming something is what is important. You know, ultimately, that someone understands that it's it was at one point something else. And I'm, and I'm pretty clear about it. If, if you look at the website, each one of those sort of has a disclaimer saying that you know it's if this was yours, you can have it. You know, like I, I'm trying not to be malicious with it because you know for me the, the important thing is that it's it's seen as both, you know, this like material that has been adapted into something, you know, sort of raw, this raw material that had to be transformed. Um, and, I, and I guess I hadn't thought about it in, as sort of a, a metaphor for where I live, um, but you know, certainly that that pleases me to some degree that that could be a, a connection someone would make. Sure. Um, well. But, but I think really, like, I, I'm thinking about it more as, like, this contrast of material. You know, as I said, like, I'm interested in that, that um, back and forth between, between things. And I guess I've thought about it mostly materially. Right. Well, and, and I guess that kind of, you know, draws out another question in that, you know, so so what, what kind of feedback do you get in terms of, you know, people coming up to you at an opening or, or things like that are... Um, I guess what are they? What are they saying? <laughs> yeah, um, I, it's been pretty positive, and you know maybe I'm suspicious of that, and maybe that's my training, <laughs> having gone through graduate school. Um, it, what what I'm noticing more now um, is that there's this ability for 
an image that is is predominantly text and geometry and color and composition. Like to me, those those have a really specific sort of um, content to them. You know, I, I still think they're involved with experience and space and place and to some degree an idea of, of landscape and, and being or whatever. Um, but you know, I can. I can get responses from people where they, they view it as this completely abstract image and the text is sort of this thing that they don't read in any, um, they don't, um, I guess, I won't say they don't read it in sort of a meaningful way, but they they find it to be sort of a non-objective painting. And I still think there is some subject in, in that, you know, and I, on the other hand, you know, like I can go, and talk to people who are interested in space and place and landscape, and they really read into it this idea of, of you know, landscape still. Like, it still exists to them. And um, so the feedback I've, I've been getting is, is far more, um, it seems far more relatable to people than any of those, like, purely representational images. But the, the feedback I get is, is a little more open-ended and a little, little more... Um, how to say it? It seems like people are relating to it in in a wider variety of ways, which again I think I'm a little suspicious about, but um, is also kind of exciting in that I, I can kind of hang with you know a non-objective painter, and then I can also hang with a group of printmakers who talk about the built environment. Right. And I kind of like being able to exist in both those worlds because I I kind of been thinking about all those things, or at least I believe I am. Sure, sure. Um, well, and I guess in that regard, then, is that something that you like? I guess the way that that people are able to kind of approach it from from different angles, then, or um, well, because I, I think you know, obviously, there's a certain openness that I don't know, maybe maybe that, that's desirable. But I mean, is that something that you feel, I guess, pretty good about in terms of the the way that you're you're kind of able to talk about the things that you want to talk about on your terms? I guess. Like I said, I'm 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 still suspicious of it like, to to some degree. Um, I I feel strongly that they're they're accomplishing sort of this goal to sort of um, provide enough information that there's this sort of question about about the text, about the meaning of it, and I try and you know provide sort of a statement through that that text that does get get at this idea of, of experience and place and usually sort of in a sort of a melancholy sort of sensibility. Um, so I think that that's, that's there, um, you know, and then, you know, I, I don't know how, I guess it's impossible for me to know how that'll play out, you know, for sure. road, but I think, um, I like the ability that there's play. I mean, the, my initial, I, I remember trying to sort of suss out what, what's going on between text and image a long time ago, and, um, you know, the fact that it, it was never illustrative, and the fact that these, this text uh, is made sort of visual in a composition with color and space, you know, there's this sort of gap between the image and then what the text is narrating, and I think that gap is interesting, that sort of um, the ability to play within there. I think as long as it's still tilting enough towards this idea of like being in place in space and maybe this Midwestern identity or um, the sort of melancholy thing, you know, it's it's enough for me um, to feel like it's it's getting 
a desired result. Sure. And I, I think um, the sort of the last thing I'd ever want to do with, with Texas be completely illustrative of something. And and that's why I think it has the ability to be an abstract meaning as well as the ability to be of and about the environment. Sure. All right. Um, and I guess, you know, um, we'll see if we have time for any, any of the, the non sequiturs that I like to bring up, but, um, I know that, I know that, or at least I came to understand very recently, which is kind of why I'm talking in the first place that, um, you have a, a big residency coming up. So could you talk to us a little bit about that? And I guess what, what all is going on? I believe that you have a, uh, a Kickstarter project as well. That's, that's up right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have, uh, uh, I think I have like 48 hours left on that Kickstarter, but um, I have uh, been awarded a month-long residency at the Kalaw Artist Institute in Berkeley, California, which is an international um, artist residency and studio, and uh, I'm going out there to, um, in my mind, create you know like a whole new body of work, um, hopefully 20 images that will sort of serve as you know the the new portfolio for applying for shows and jobs, et cetera. Um, but the sort of, the reason I'm interested in, in doing a residency and traveling is that, um, you know, I, I, I found out pretty quickly when I went to graduate school, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about where I was and where I'd been. And um, that seemed to make um, a lot of work sort of like, like very quickly, like a lot of um a lot of ideas sort of bubbled up from that idea of sort of, you know, not not a nostalgia, but a, a longing or sort of a, 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 a difference between memory and, and, and being now. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of planning as I'm out at Kala to try and absorb the environment and, um, and sort of reflect on it and try and make sense of that experience through visual works in the way that I, you know, I would do that here in Ohio and talk about being in Ohio or being Midwestern, I'm, I'm going to try and suss out this idea of being a, a traveler or uh, a visitor in a place that to me is really exotic um, to be on, you know, on the Bay in uh, Northern California is quite a bit different than being on the hill in East Dayton overlooking downtown and the river polluted by uh, the rubber factory. Um, so, the sort of goal is to create a body of work that is reflective of that experience of traveling. And it's something I sort of adopted when I went overseas for a residency in 2010, where I was thinking a lot about that mental space of traveling and, and being um, somewhere else. And, you know, I actually used several, several short stories by Raymond Carver to sort of think about that mental space of being a visitor within a new place or a, within sort of a narrative, um, yeah, maybe that's a long one you need to. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and so, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll post information about, uh, you know, that while there's still some time left. But I guess just to kind of slowly move into um, some other kind of non sequiturs. Um, um, well, first of all, what, 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 what's going to be uh, the, the soundtrack that uh, gets you moving uh, when you're out there? Oh, man. Um, I kind of have like a handful of go-to things in the studio, um, and I have found any more that it's it's hard for me to listen to music while I'm working. <laughs> um, it used to be for a long time, like 
albums that would get me going in the studio and still do. Um, Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen, which I think kind of makes some sense uh, being in the Midwest. Sure. Um, anything by the Silver Jews is, you know, like, could, I could listen to on, endlessly on repeat. Um, but uh, anymore, the thing that I, I'm probably going to do, and, and I actually took a, a trip down to Georgia this last week to do some work at uh, University of Georgia at Athens. Um, I spent the entire time listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one that I've been really attracted to for about a year now so I, I see this tremendous amount of overlap and, and insight and quantity. Uh, it, it's uh, this Mark Maron podcast, WTF, and it's Mark Maron, who's a, you know, a stand-up comedian from the 90s, and he's just talking to other comedians. And I, I don't know what my attraction to that is, other than there are people who sit and think about the mechanics of their, their craft, and they also you know, talk about how you adapt experience into story and how that works for other people. And so I've just been really attracted to, to this podcast. So that will probably um, be the, the soundtrack to, to my working time out there. It absorbs my attention far more than anything else. And I, I'm just thinking about how, uh, with this Kickstarter thing, I have like 55 people who I, I'm going to need to send work out to, which means, you know, like I, I like I, I think I said earlier, I'm not I'm not super tied to this identity of a printmaker who additions things to 60 like I just I, I never do that but all of a sudden now because I have people funding me to go to this residency I'm going to have to be like at the press right right everything or at least for like at least two of those prints have to be done 50 or so right or, right and so you know that's just that's just mindless labor which I actually love I mean honestly I, I didn't mention that earlier but I think um when I was you know 19 and the idea of art school was um, to where I was at. Like, was, would I keep doing this? I think the thing that really kept me going was the idea that there's processes to arrive at an image that really are, are just sort of labor. And that sort of blue collar identity, I think, has um, stuck with me. And that sort of workman's guilt when I don't make enough work, you know, all that stuff. So I'll be sitting there listening to people chatting because I'm just going to be cranking a thing through the press like hours sure sure well and and i guess just the last thing that that i'd like to bring up um is just uh are there are there any other kind of shows that you have coming up within the next year or the next couple of months or anything that you know are important or anything that you want to kind of plug um yeah yeah uh a few things um on the in the recent or in the upcoming future here um jim butler uh, from Illinois State, who retired while I was there, and was one of the you know the major reasons I went to that to that program. Uh, is being honored at the Mid America Print Council conference in fall, and so uh, they put together a portfolio of all these great artists who are gonna you know it's gonna be shown at the conference, and so I'll be taking part in that. And uh, you know I'm just really looking forward to being in that group of artists in an exhibition, and also sort of. Um, you know, showing my support for Jim as he gets awarded because it's, you know, it's really no one, there could be no one better to get that type of award. Um, sort of out in the future, uh, I'll have a solo exhibition sometime at uh, Wittenberg University, which is, uh, I think, in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, so that will probably be these reclaimed versus paintings. And then um, some of the collaborative work that uh, myself and John Swindler have been doing will be 
somewhere in uh, Washington State, uh, 2013. So that's a bit away, a bit of a ways away, but um, definitely on on my radar because I just got back from working on some of that stuff from last week. Sure. Well, and no doubt we'll have plenty of uh, great stuff to look forward to from when you return from your residency. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan to be blogging the whole time I'm there, which is a little strange for me, but um, I'm going to sort of make a separate account for that, probably like a Tumblr, because I, I, I kind of just want to be able to quickly update it. Um, sure. But that way, if, if anyone has donated or pledged to back the project and sort of wants to see the progress on there, their uh, artwork that they're supposed to get or just sort of are curious about what it's like to be, you know, I mean, given the, given the ability to be a full-time working artist for a month, like every day of the week. <laughs> right, right. I'll sort of make that available. I, I, this whole thing has told, it's taught me that, um, and it's been overwhelming to, you know, to get funded and then be invited to do this. And, you know, like, I, I think it's really interesting how being transparent and being honest and putting this stuff out there can be rewarded, and I kind of want to keep up with that if I can. Sure, sure. Well, it's been uh, it's been great chatting with you, and again, I I think, like I said, you know, and, and for maybe speaking for a number of people, look forward to seeing what uh, what comes out of it. Absolutely, and thank you. All right, thanks again to Nick for joining us today. Once again, you can go to nicksatnover.com to find out more information about his work and, and see more of it. But also, if you search, you'll see that there's a blog page which also links to his Kickstarter project, which will also have a link up at Studio Break, where, once again, if you haven't visited Studio Break before and this is your first time, we got a bunch of other great podcasts that I hope you check out. Each of them have slideshows, links to artists' websites, and full-length interviews that are, once again, available also on iTunes. Just search for Studio Break under Podcast. And just another reminder, if you would, please check us out on Facebook. We always post upcoming images and announcements on who's coming up, so please get used to checking that out. And once again, like us. But... We'd also like you to say hi from time to time, so please drop us a note, leave us a comment on the blog. It'd be really, really appreciative. Our intro music today was Anatex Blueprint and Shigetto's Spring Texture will be taking us out. Once again, visit freemusicarchive.org to find a whole bunch of other free songs that you can download, entire albums, thousands and thousands of songs. I highly recommend it. It's a pretty cool site. Just a couple of announcements. Once again, Bob Jones has an opening tonight at Treehouse Gallery in Arlington Heights. The address is 728 North Dryden Avenue. The opening runs from 6 until 10 p.m. There should be plenty of people out there talking about artwork and this and that, so really hope you come and, and see the exhibition at Treehouse Gallery. It should be a good time. And last but not least, it turns out that I am going to be the guest next week, so hopefully a number of people check that out and... I talk a bit about um, my artwork and obviously its evolution and, and especially the upcoming exhibition that I have June 16th at the Peoria Arts Guild. So hope you check that out. And once again, we'll talk to you real soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.